This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Are we ready? I guess not. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. The Blitz, he gets out of it. Cousins, can he run for the first down? And he does. Up to the 40. The ball comes out as he slid toward the 40. The ball's out and he's sacked. And the Packers come up with it. The fumble recovery on the sack of Cousins. Cousins with extra pressure. He's got time. A high throw and overthrew Adam Thielen, who was open, and Cousins knows it. Cousins, who's protected for a moment, and intercepted. It's Preston Smith on third down. Cousins, end zone overthrows. Kyle Rudolph on third down. Cousins is going deep for Diggs. He can't handle it. He stretched out but couldn't get his hands on it. But I'm sure Mike Zimmer, Eric Kubiak, and anybody else hoping he can pull it out here. And it's almost intercepted. You guys want the rest of it? Oh, I thought we were out of time. I thought that was the whole show. Oh, no. I thought that was it. Well, we might as well. Yeah, why not? You want the rest of it? Yeah, keep it going. Third and seven. Cousins. The throw incomplete. It's fourth down. Feeling the target again. And Cousins looks rattled. Cousins throws a Hail Mary. Kevin King. Did he come up with it? One on the field is an interception. I can't, can't believe that Cousins would throw that ball. I mean, we can. <laughs> we can. Yeah. All of us can actually believe that he threw that ball. As a Bears fan, that was deja vu all over again. That was the same same throw, different corner of the end zone. The that Mitch Trubisky? Trubisky made the previous yeah. week in that's their what, loss to the Packers. That's what Moose Johnson said, too. He said, that's, it's, he said it's identical to what Trubisky did yeah. on Thursday. And by the way... Mitch Trubisky, as a young quarterback in the league, like, cool, like, you can still kind of make that throw once in a while, and it's still, like, in your first two or three years in the NFL. When you're Kirk Cousins and you've been in the league for seven or eight years, actually, have you guys ever, Judd and I have talked about Fire Marshal Bill on the show before, Army, did you ever watch In Living Color back in the day? Oh, I loved In Living Color, yeah. With Fire Marshal Bill? Yeah. And uh, and Fire Marshal Bill's job was to make sure that everyone's safe Let me tell you something. Yeah. Let me tell you something. (laughs) Jim Carrey, right? Yeah. And uh, like, but, but but Fire Marshal Bill would always get himself in these situations where you're, dude, you're just walking into a classroom. There's no fire, nothing's going wrong. And by the end of it, he would like put a fork in an electrical socket, and like the bolt, the whole building would burn <laughs> right, down. Sure. I mean, like Kirk Cousins yesterday. All you have to do is not stick a fork in an electrical socket, and the Vikings win that game. Mike and, Zimmer should have been should have turned into Homie the Clown too. Yeah. Did response. you guys see this stat? So the Vikings put up seven yards per play. They allowed 4.9 yards per play and lost. There have only been 13 games in the last 10 years in the NFL where the losing team had more than seven yards per play and the winning team had less than five. Kirk Cousins has been the losing quarterback in three of those 13 games. The The amount of stats circulating today on Twitter about this guy is 
I think you could call it frightening. It's unbelievable. Jim Trotter, Pro Football Focus, he tweets, PFF offered this as context for Cousins' uh, pick on first and goal from the eight. Here's the stat. From the opponent's 10-yard line and in, Kirk Cousins ranks 27th out of 27 qualifying QBs in passer rating since 2017 at 76.5. It gets worse. Completing 44.6% of his passes from there with the lowest yards per attempt average of 1.6. So he's the worst quarterback in the NFL inside the 10-yard line. Over a period that started in 2017. So, So not small sample size. That is amazing. But That's it's amazing. But these crazy. things are all over Twitter today. Like basically documenting if if you need to be hit over the head some more huh. with how brutal that was, it's like bang. And here's another one. Bang. You know, okay, here's my th- this is not a hot take. I mean, you can tell me if it's a hot take, but this is this was this was just my feeling watching that game yesterday and how I felt about Kirk Cousins and the Vikings and their marriage 24 hours ago. Actually, 24 hours ago is when we were digesting this. So let's say 48 hours ago, before that game took place, compared to now, I was still very much in wait-and-see mode. All right, he definitely has a track record of just being 8-8 eight and eight all the time, and he can't win a game. He's never won a Monday night game, but I'm willing to... Is it? You're ready to declare him bad? No, I'm, I'm oh. not only ready to, to... Well, bad is a relative term. He's still one of the 25 best quarterbacks in the world. I think it just shows you, like, there's a... There's, there's a huge drop-off from 12 to 16 or 10 to 20. I'm saying I'm done with Kirk Cousins whenever they want to be. So whenever they're ready, I'm not saying that Sean Mannion is a better option. I was going to say, what are you proposing here? I'm not saying that. He is still the best quarterback the Vikings have right now. And by the way, I've seen a couple of these. Don't bring the Kyle Slaughter stuff into my life or my timeline. Like, yeah, we're, You miss Kyle Slaughter now, don't you, Mackie? No. No. <laughs> No, just because Kirk Cousins is terrible doesn't mean that Kyle Sloter is the answer. What I'm saying, though, is like yesterday's game where you run it down their throats. The defense, by and large, if you if you look at the defense over the whole three-hour picture, the defense was fine yesterday outside of the terrible start. And the terrible start is not ideal for game flow, but everything was good enough to beat the Packers at Lambeau Field except your idiot quarterback who couldn't just throw the ball five rows deep past the back of the end zone. I'm done with him long-term. I will never, ever, if I do slap me on this show, I will never jump back to the bandwagon of... I have permission to slap you. Like, physically slap you. Yes, in the moment. If I ever tell you, I want want a contract extension for this guy. You never say that. You can slap me. You're not dumb. Backhand? I know you. Backhand. You can do both. He won't. (laughs) He won't. Pendulum slapping of my face. (laughs) He he reacts quickly at times, but Mackey's say, not, Mackey's not stupid. No, and and you wouldn't. And, and the thing is, too, <laughs> keep keep in mind the bad start was fourteen points because point I believe the third touchdown came off Cousins' back to back fumbles in which he lost the second one on the sack, and, and the Packers scored and they started that drive at the Vikings thirty three. So that's on the offense more so than the defense. But the problem too is this: this is how little you you can trust him and. I am not absolving Cousins at all. This is on Cousins. That was pathetic. That pass was pathetic. And he admits, and and by the way, too, the new Kirk apology tour, give me a break. He's decided to redo how he approaches uh, 
talking to the press post game. And so now it's all my fault. It's all my fault. Dude, you're paid $84 million over three years. Don't make the mistakes. Well, I mean, like at least I don't want to. Right. But don't make the mistakes and don't be. And, and he admits that that the past to digs, he was he was trying to put the ball where only digs could catch it. You don't understand that that has to go two rows back into the seats. OK, that's a problem right there. But the issue, too, is, and here's the sad thing, the tenor of this conversation, now, we are still not pleased with Kirk, but the tenor of this conversation today is completely different if they had continued to run the ball on that drive. They would have scored. The uh, The defensive line for the Packers was worn down. Yeah, I actually don't De- have a problem with that play call, Dalvin which we can Cook, get into at some point. I do, because Dalvin Cook was great. And this goes to the whole Kubiak thing is to save the team from the quarterback, which is a really sad thing to say. But I'm sorry, two weeks in, 10 passes against the Falcons, and, and if they had run one or two more times, I'm convinced that they score. Guess what? They're 2-0, and and yes, the quarterback's not good, but at least we are talking about a team. Because the Packers were dying for you to win that game. The Packers gave that game to you and said, just take it, that's fine. And you said, oh, you know what we'll do? We'll have, and here's the problem too. Cousins was having a terrible day. He's having an awful day. And the other thing is, you know that your your run blocking is good. The zone run scheme works, and Dalvin Cook is phenomenal. Your pass protection is awful. I watched in my field glasses throughout the course of the four quarters Wait, yesterday. Binoculars? Yes. You brought binoculars? But I like to say Lambo? field glasses. Why do you call them field glasses? Because they've been called that for a long time. It's oh, an old I've school I've never thing. heard them called that. Field glasses. glasses. On a stick? Binoculars. Like an old lady I wish I had theater. those. I wish I had those. <laughs> your field monocle? <laughs> Gentlemen. It's just one. Gentlemen, I can find Kirk Cousins, yeah, but I wasn't watching Kirk Cousins. I was watching poor Garrett Bradbury. He was literally being relocated snap by snap by the Packers defensive tackle. He actually got he got called for holding on one play where like he literally yes. snaps the ball and and the and his opponent picked him up, sort of, yes, and drove I, him back like a blocking sled, and, and he, he was just, like, hanging on hanging to the on for dear li- Like somebody who got thrown off a horse yeah. and was just hanging on to the <laughs> And he did the that the entire game. They could have called poor Garrett Bradbury for holding 15 times. But that's why I've got a problem with that play call. Because just run the ball two more damn times. It was first down from the eight. Run but, the ball two more times and escape from Lambeau Field with a victory that you didn't deserve, but you got, and let's regroup. Okay, just... So I'm not going to die on this hill. I'm not going to die on the hill of you should have had Kirk Cousins throw that football because, I mean, we all saw that drive. We all saw that drive. That was pounded down their throats, handoff, five yards, ten yards. I mean, it was they averaged like eight yards a carry on the ground yesterday on the road at Lambeau. But bringing in Gary Kubiak to make sure that you save yourself from the quarterback doesn't mean that you never throw the ball. And if you've run the ball... This is where like the logic is, well, you're running the ball that well, just keep running the ball. And yes, like nine times out of ten, but I have no problem saying, you know what? They think we're going to run the ball, and we're set up right now to throw a ball over their heads for a touchdown. And the broken link in the chain is, hey, moron, when the throw's not there, yes. and you're running the ball down your opponent's throat, don't be a hero. So I, I, you can sit here and throw shift that the blame. One away. Like you can shift the blame to coaches, right. but like coaches have to call pass plays, especially when you have one of the 20 to 25 best quarterbacks in the NFL. Like, that's what he is still. And pass plays like to Diggs works perfectly. That was a great pass. That's a gorgeous pass for a touchdown. 
But that entire Actually, series that could have been picked off, and it that, could have. There might have been a different. But, but it was still a nice that pass. That was a dime. He it was a nice right pass. Right. Let's give him credit for that pass. Give him credit for one thing. But should have been picked off. But the drive that we're talking about, they had thrown once, I think, for five yards for a first down, and they had run and run and run, and then you said to to the guy I like to call now the hyperventilating quarterback, throw the ball, and he's like, oh, I got it. Somebody take it. He's hyperventilating on the field. <laughs> just here, 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 just somebody. Step on, can you catch it? Oh, no. <laughs> it's like the end of a bad sitcom. <laughs> the hyperventilating court. I said, I said after the first week, everybody's real happy. And I said, guys, he's going to have to throw it more than 10 times. Yes. Like, this, this isn't a formula that can work in the future. Like, maybe even next week, he's going to have to throw it more than 10 times for the Vikings to win a football game because it's 2019 in the NFL and you can't pound it down people's throats. And I agree with Phil. I don't, I don't mind calling a pass there, but if, if the shot that you had planned to take is not there, if it's double covered in the back of the end zone for crying out loud, either check off to one of your other receivers or throw it into the third row. There's no reason to try and squeeze it. It was first down, wasn't it? First down? First and goal at the eight. You're trying to squeeze it in on first down for what? what for what purpose? To show off your arm? To say, see what I did? What What? What exactly was Was he thinking there is, is what I don't understand. And I was asking the same thing about Trubisky a week ago. I, I don't know why you would try and squeeze it in in such a crucial spot in the end zone. Would you it, like to hear his line of thinking on that? Sure. Okay. Uh, it's you know uncharacteristic of me. I'm not. I'm not. You know. I'm. I can't do it. And um, and so I was. You know. I was, what I was thinking was you know try to give Diggsy a chance and kind of an ours or nobody's thing. But it it wasn't nobody's. You know. He went and made a play. And uh, you just can't do that. Wait. Is he saying that it was a good a good play call, a good throw? He gave Diggs a chance, but the no. defender just made a really good play. Play it again and listen. Is that what he was saying? And to, to your point, listen to the very end because that's the key line. That's uh, you know uncharacteristic of me. I'm not. I'm not. You know I'm, I can't do it. And um, and so I was. You know I was, what I was thinking was you know try to give Diggsy a chance and kind of an ours or nobody's thing. But it it wasn't nobody's. You know he went and made a play. And uh, you just can't do that. That was far from ours or nobody. Correct. I know what he means when he says so, yep. ours or nobody. Like, you put it <laughs> at a high point at the very back corner of the end zone where either Stephon Diggs is going to catch it or it's going to go out of the end zone. He threw it two yards short of the back of the end zone mm-hmm. in between three guys, two of whom happened to be wearing green and yellow. And it's yellow, not gold. I don't care what you say. Two guys who happened to be yeah, wearing it is yellow, green and yellow. Like, that. that wasn't ours or nothing. That's not what Kirk Cousins did there. If that's what he was thinking, if that's what he was trying to do, he missed his mark by like six yards. Yes. Yeah, you just had it. Yeah. Judd, your point earlier too about the hyperventilating quarterback. I mean, he his he has multiple different problems that you could point to, like can't beat a good team, can't win in prime time. And I've got for later on this hour, I have done I have done the uh Vikings in biggest games list and results, not only for quarterback play, but for defense as well, which is stunning. We'll get to that. But he just gets consumed by the moment. And I think what really separates some of the best quarterbacks, like the top eight to ten guys in the world, I mean, Tom Brady at the top of that list, but um, but you could probably go as far down as even like like Matt Ryan, not all the time, but has the ability to, all right, I don't care that this thing's going the wrong way right now. I don't care that I've thrown three interceptions. Right. 
I'm going to snap out of it. I'm going to take a step back for a second here. He just gets so wrapped up. There was that game should have been slow at that point for him because they all the momentum was Vikings. They had scored 16 unanswered points. They're marching down the field. The defense, like three different times, had either taken the ball away or forced a punt and handed it back to the offense. There's no reason for your mind to be racing at full speed when you've been in the NFL for seven or eight years and your team has all the momentum and you've run for like 170 yards on the ground at that point. Why is your mind racing? Because he doesn't he doesn't process things like great QBs and athletes do. He processes things like we would. He processes things they move that quickly. And, and it's like Favre. For all the dumb passes Brett threw, you know the one thing was he was always confident. He always knew that he, in his mind, and he was wrong at times, but in his mind he was the best damn QB on that field. They right? weren't. They weren't panicked interceptions. They weren't. I'm sure you could they find were dumb. some. They might have been dumb, but they weren't panicked. They were, they were cocky right. interceptions. But you know what? What Kirk is always trying to do? Listen to all of Kirk's quotes, and, and I know I now go back to the. You like that? You like that? That's all based on Kirk talking to himself. That's all Kirk's. Kirk's problems are not physical. He's got a really good arm, and I think I think he has the physical makeup of a good quarterback. Mentally, between the years, I think he's lost. I think he's absolutely lost, and I think when it gets too big, he's overwhelmed, and he makes and he makes panic moves. I'll give you yesterday's game. I will give you the quintessential. The pressure sort of off, and I'm fine, and he looks good. The last drive after the Packers ran that extremely stupid fourth and one play that was unexplicable to me, uh, they lose two yards. Vikings ball. It's 21-7. So the Vikings are down by a lot at that point. You're on the road. There's really, the pressure is dissipating. Look at the drive he conducted. He's like, okay, I'll go out and play. And when he goes out and turns it loose and plays and he's free of mind, he's actually pretty good. That was a nice drive. Pass to BB, gets caught. Patriot that happened at the end of the half against the Patriots last and year. And he too. threw that pass under extreme duress. Like that was a tough play. It worked though. But then the second half starts and it's 21-10 and now the pressure's dialed back up. And I just think that and this is why why the prime time stats are bad. This is why when he plays the Bears, a Bears team that's pulling people left and right because they they've won the division and there's they don't care and he loses that game and you're like how can you lose that game? Because it's not about the opponent. It's about the perceived pressure he feels. And if the pressure is great, he's in trouble. And if the pressure's not, he plays fine because his body is fine. His mind is a mess. Yeah. That's my opinion. I mean, the other thing, too, you know, the, the, the back-to-back plays where he fumbled. So the one where he's, he's running, he's trying to get a couple extra yards, and ball gets punched out. They did recover. It was kind of a mess, and they were untangling things. But then the very next play, pocket collapses. He gets sacked. And... I think the first thing people think is, man, that offensive line, and you brought it up early in the segment, Joe, that offensive line, that pass protection. Okay, like the pass protection is not nearly what the run game blocking is to this point in the season for the Vikings. But you know what? You have permission as a quarterback to not fumble every time you get sacked. Like, it's okay to get sacked and not fumble 44 times since 2015. That was, I don't know. That was one where he barely even had a chance to gather the ball before a defender was on him. I literally just minutes ago while we were talking saw that play come across my timeline again. That was another one where Bradbury just got ran over and started hanging on for dear life. I don't I don't think it was the same play because they didn't call holding on that fumble, but it was almost an exact replica replay of that play. Bradbury got absolutely bulldozed right on the snap before almost before Cousins even took the ball out of his hand. There's a defender on top of him. 
we we and look, I'm not here to defend Kirk Cousins today. There's no there's no defending Kirk Cousins today. But we tend to just want to point a finger at one person in sports talk radio, and it's often the quarterback when we talk football, and rightly so. They get a lot of money. They have a lot of impact on the game. But he did not have a lot of help on that football field yesterday, especially from his offensive line. They can block as well as anybody through two weeks of football when it comes to the run game. They can't pass protect. They're one of, I think I saw it on, uh, it might have been Collar who tweeted this out today. They're in the bottom 10 in pass protection through two weeks of, of NFL football. They're not, they, they're not giving Kirk Cousins a lot of help when it comes to protection and time. And going back to what Judd just said, there are some quarterbacks who the play breaks down. They can improvise. They can get out of the pocket. They can make things happen. Kirk Cousins needs protection. He's not a guy who's gonna, who's gonna figure things out on the fly when, when the pressure is on. He's he's one of those quarterbacks who needs time and needs prote- prote- protection to make good decisions back there in the pocket. And and I guess Mike and I don't disagree with. And I'll just I'll start on the fumble thing real quick. You know what? If it's possible that you go back, you look at that play, and you say, you know what? Well, there's like 20 quarterbacks that would have fumbled the same way, and maybe that's the case if you go back and like would, would Tom Brady have fumbled on that same play? It's possible, but I, I'm I'm not buying that. Kirk Cousins, who has fumbled more than any quarterback in the NFL the last four years, I'm not buying that he's just the unluckiest quarterback in the league. This has been a problem for him. No, I'm sure and he plenty has of not... them have been his fault. I'm just saying that one, that one particular fumble yesterday, I, I can yeah. see why, why that happened. And I think to your other point, you're right. The run blocking has been phenomenal. The pass blocking led by your rookie center has been like it. I, I still run Garrett Bradbury out there because he's supposed to be long term your franchise center and like, He's got a snap out of it here. It's he's just been ambushed in his first two weeks in the NFL. It's going to be tough, man. These guys are so good. It's true, but like you got to you got I know. You, you invested a first round pick. I know. I think you got, maybe could you sit him for a week? Does that de- derail his confidence? But you know, if how many different things do they have to do to make Kirk Cousins feel comfortable? And I get it. It's not perfect conditions. The offensive line has not been perfect for him, but he has better things around him than his performance yesterday at Lambeau Field. Indicated, but this is what I was telling people all offseason. There's only so much room for improvement with Kirk Cousins, right? But you he can, doesn't. But you can't. It comes down ultimately to one pass. You just can't throw that ball. Like you just can't. Nobody can. You couldn't. Phil couldn't. I couldn't. You just can't do it. That I ball, rocket. That ball has to go out of. <laughs> yeah. Which you know what? You would have thrown it into the 15th throw at Lambeau, and we would have been fine. But you just can't. the the pro, The processing. Kirk Cousins' primary fault is the processing that went into throwing that pass. You can't change, and you and because of that, it's a huge problem. Now, now I will say this: fumble two was tough. Fumble one should drive us crazy, yes. and here's why: Kirk Cousins got up, so he takes off and runs, and, and at the end of the run, he's stripped. Kirk Cousins got up to the podium and explained how he was carrying the ball too loose and how it needs to be t- like he's doing a t- tutorial, like like with a fake football, yeah, man, like, in front like, of us, like you probably. You know what? Next time you go to Pizza Ranch, I don't want to see you walking over for another slice at the buffet table unless you've got a football tucked in your arm. Yeah, okay? it's the old AP Everywhere. thing, right? Phil? Yeah. It, it's and so he's explaining to us how he should have carried the and it's you want to say, but you're okay then if you know that, why isn't the ball tucked? Because he almost lost that one. Irv Smith did a great job to uh, fall on that ball, but the point the point is, it's just it's a matter of processing, and I just don't think it's there. And he is now what? Eight years in, five years starting, and how are you going to get it there? Mike talked about coaching. He's just—it's it's too late for coaching. You're not going to—you're not going to get him to change. And mentally, it's not changing. I—I I compared it, and these players are different. 
but I compared it in some ways to to what we saw eventually play out with Parisi, Suter, the Wild. You've got to have some acceptance here of what you thought the plan was isn't going to work. Yeah. Like this might be a playoff team, but the Super Bowl thing. You can't go there anymore. I'm actually, you know what? Like, the more I think of it, I'm actually much more at peace with the Vikings quarterback situation now than I was 48 hours ago. Let go, Phil. Like, he's not... Just let go. He's not the guy. He's under contract it's for okay. a year and a half. It's like a relative you were hoping pulls through, and now you've just come to terms with, hey, man, it's it's not. It's a, probably time to say goodbye. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's time to say goodbye to your longtime franchise quarterback <laughs> idea. By the way... So many other things to get to in that, that game dark. from yesterday. That got really dark. That was so. really dark, but in Minnesota sports parlance, it's actually really spot on. So many, so many things to get to, including the weird offensive pass interference explanation uh, in that game, and uh, also I've got another. I've got a nugget in terms of Vikings and big games run by you, Tom Pelissero, at the top of the hour. Let's talk about the best car dealership and service department in the Twin Cities here. You want reliability? You want a franchise, long-term car dealership? Yes. Don't I can tell you, it. Luther Brookdale Toyota is the Tom Brady of car dealerships. Not, you don't have to give up on this dream. No, you, don't you have do to not. Let this dream die. No, you don't have to pull the plug on this dream. <laughs> Luther Brookdale Toyota is never going to let you down in the way that Purple fans were let down yesterday. You know, if you're running into uh, you're running into a late game situation, you need an oil change. You need some maintenance done. Okay, I can tell you, they're not going to throw in interception. Something like that. They're just not. They're gonna. They're gonna be by your side like they have with my family and I for thirty plus years on the corner of six ninety four in Brooklyn. Purple Daily. Two hours of the Vikings. Five days a week. Vikings talk. Vikings deals. Dramas. Developments. Gossip. Everything purple. It's the only five days a week Viking show in Viking Land. Purple Daily. Hosted by Matthew Collar and a cast of football loving friends. Five days a week. Two hours of the Vikings on Score North. You can also find the podcast on scorenorth.com, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Just search Purple Daily. I am so sick and tired of Kirk Cousins. That was the worst throw since Brett Favre in 2009 in the NFC title game. The guy is a joke. Everybody always wants to talk about he's a mid-level QB. No, he's a bottom-level he, there is twenty. He's in the twenty to thirty category. You can't trust him. It was a winning effort from the rest of the team, despite what seemed to be at a point where even the Fox NFL announcers are saying the zebras are hosing the Vikings. We still have a chance to win, and we have this loser. He's just a loser. He should be cut, redraft. Spielman can go right out the door with him. I'm tired of him. Just in case you want to go back and listen to Vikings Vent Line, anywhere you find podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Score North mobile app. So how was that show yesterday? <laughs> Sounds like people took it really well. <laughs> that was our guy Chanty in Fargo. That was the first call out of the gate. Just setting a tone, man. Set the tone. Yeah. <laughs> Just amazing. Uh, quick quick little stat pack here for you guys, okay? Little little fact attack. A PMAC fact attack for Rami here. All right, so... This started off as a defensive exercise, but you could also insert Kirk Cousins here, minus one of the games. Since the Minneapolis miracle, the most the most elated Vikings fans have maybe ever felt, right? Sure. The Minneapolis miracle game. Um, the Vikings have played in 11 national TV and or games against the Packers. So I'm saying th- I wanted to go back and look at what are their biggest games since then, because the NFC championship game was an epic flop and it was a, it's a stain on Mike Zimmer's resume. 
And it just seemed that, man, their defense really doesn't show it. This was, it was just kind of a first half exercise for me when they were down 21 to nothing. And then it kind of morphed into a quarterback exercise. But they've played 11 games on national TV and or against the Packers, which I would classify as their biggest game since then. In those 11 games, the Vikings are 2 8 and 1. 2 8 and 1 in their biggest games since the Minneapolis Miracle. And their defense is giving up. 26 points a game, too, on average. That is bad. What is Cousins? Uh, do, did you unearth any stats on him as well? Uh, no, just just a win loss record. Okay. The only game the, the game that you would take away is the game at Philadelphia. So he would be two seven and one in those games because yeah. because the, the, the Case Keenum was the starting quarterback against Philadelphia. So his his record is two seven and one. Now he actually, if you look at like his numbers. On the road against Green Bay last year, week two, Rams. I mean, he put up some ridiculous numbers in some of those games when the game flow was down by 10, down by 14. Kirk Cousins is bringing him back. But then in some of the other ones, like Patriots, Seattle, the Bears game at the end of the year, Cousins was a disaster in those ones. But I have not done all the adding up. So it's, I mean, the Vikings have been terrible in their biggest games since the Minneapolis Miracle. And that's, I mean, a lot of that happened without Kirk Cousins, right? Or has that all been the Kirk Cousins? No, era? this is this is all this Kirk is all, oh, yeah, all, all but one. Okay, all but, but, it start, one. but yeah. it, so so it starts basically the, the issues defensively, which have not carried over consistently all the time. But they started at halftime of that Saints game because the Vikings were up by I believe a substantial uh, amount of points at halftime of that game at home in pretty good shape, and then the Saints adjusted. They got Breeze. They came back and had a really good second half and took the lead at one point. And then, of course, they blew the coverage and Keenum hit digs. But you had the game last year against the Rams, which was a disaster. And I want to say the first four games of last year defensively were not good. It, it was like a six-game or a five-and-a-half game span. Starting Saints game at halftime, Eagles game, just a disaster. And then the first four games through that Rams game. And I was set on Sunday to say, what is going on again defensively? Like, this is awful. The Packers came out and moved the ball easily. And then they did something. They changed things a little bit, I guess. And and after that, and the Packers, I also felt, changed their flow as well. It, it seemed like Green Bay came out high tempo and move, move, move. And it worked really well. And then they got up 21, and they're like, okay, now we'll just settle down a little bit and run the ball. It's like, what are you doing? But yeah, it it is concerning. It's just that I think the Cousins thing comes back to the fact that his weaknesses and struggles in those games are just so damn glaring that, that it almost at times causes us to probably overlook some deficiencies in Zimmer's defense, which That's, can be, which can struggle because he makes choices like he did in the fourth quarter on Sunday. And you say, okay, I just can't get past this. That's what I was just going to say. I haven't seen every snap of every game till I got here like you guys have, but the, the finger is often, and there's a point I made in the first segment too, but pointed at Kirk Cousins when you talk about primetime games or or big-time games that, that have really big impact in the standings or whatever the case might be. Today on the Twins show, we were talking about the fact that throughout this season, whenever there were big moments or playoff-type series, whether it was the Indians or the Red Sox or the A's, when, when they had playoff atmosphere and games that were, were that had huge impact in the standings or were measuristic type of games, they never backed down from that. There was never a moment too big for the Twins. They didn't always win the series or win the games in those moments, but they were always there for a fight. At what point, after what Phil just listed off there, do you look at Mike Zimmer, because football teams do take on the personality of their coach and go, 
This guy just doesn't have his team ready for big moments. For whatever reason, the Vikings as a team don't seem ready for big moments. Yeah, and it's hard because I think you can probably go case by case in a lot of these games. No pun intended because Case Keenan was the quarterback in the first of these games. You know, I look at the NFC Championship game and Mike Zimmer, the way I characterized it in the week leading up to the game and then in the aftermath of it was Mike Zimmer's life's work is defense. This is his first job as a head coach. He has built the league's best defense going back 2017. His life's work is on the line in this game against Philadelphia. You could argue, right? This He's on the doorstep of the Super Bowl. You've had a week to prepare and a season to prepare, and you give up 38 points in the NFC Championship game. And that was the first time I looked at Mike Zimmer a little bit sideways. I was like, man, I could see losing that game 24-23. or like... You know, maybe you give up 27, but to to give up 38 in that game and be so thoroughly outcoached was the first time Mike Zimmer as head coach when I said, oof. But then you could look at yesterday's game and say, wow, the adjustments he made in-game. You know, the Packers start off that game, and their strategy was very clearly Devontae Adams mismatches, right? If if you can get Devontae Adams lined up in the slot against Jaron Curse, um, against a linebacker, whatever it may be. they were moving quick as well. Yes. Early on, they moved really quickly. But Zimmer and this like every everything except the quarterback play yesterday. I would say praise Mike Zimmer. Praise Mike Zimmer for cutting bait on an offensive coordinator last year that wasn't working early. Even though it was a mistake to hire John DeFilippo clearly in the first place, it was great game planning to have a rushing attack like they did yesterday. Great defensive adjustments, and Kirk Cousins is the one that derailed that game yesterday. So I think it's partly a combination of. Yeah, Mike Zimmer defenses are averaging giving up 26 points per game in their biggest game since the Minneapolis Miracle, and that's too high. Um, But they've been sabotaged by bad Kirk Cousins a lot over that stretch, too. And how much of that can you put on Mike Zimmer? I don't know. I think that's more Rick. Or just just like they, they they had to sign him, and here we are. So, By the way, when Aaron Rodgers was 11 for 12 in the first half, I almost tweeted you. I said, and then I said, I'll give him... His next touchdown pass. I'm going to tweet Mackie after you said he was in decline on Friday. I was going to say Rodgers must have been listening to Mackie and Judd with Rami. <laughs> he clearly does. Oh, of course. Everybody's a big does. fan. That yeah. fourth down play, by the way, still makes no sense to me. Which one? So it, it's fourth and one. It's late in the first half. The Packers, if they kick a field goal, go up 24 to, 24 to 7. And they go for it because Aaron said that he thought the official signaled first down. And before the Vikings could throw their challenge flag, he tried to run the play. That's right. And they got thrown for a two-yard loss, but it was really fourth down. And Lafleur said that he should have called timeout, which I actually believe is true. But it's that is just bizarre. So for, for a guy who always appears to be in complete control, which Aaron did for a long time, that was a real, and that could have changed the game immensely. Yeah. Let's uh let's let's mix in a call or two here. I know TJ's been on hold since the beginning of the show. TJ in Wisconsin, you're on with Mackie, Judd, and Rami. What's up, guys? Hey, good show. Listen, first off, Judd, with the field uh, glasses, did you have a fedora and a pipe, or was it a cigar? I would just want to make sure a cigar. Okay, okay, a, a cigar, uh, very nice cigar. Secondly, guys, let's make this not more complicated than it really is. Listen to how Kirk answers every freaking question about a mistake. He overanalyzes everything. Just say it made a damn mistake. You can tell the reason he struggles, he thinks too much. This guy clearly is not a reactor. He just overthinks, and then he gets scared, and he's late. And then secondly, guys, I think the big issue here is Zimmer's got to step up as a coach. 
here's what I mean. Cousins is at best a C plus. Am I right? C plus, maybe B minus. If you've got a defense doing what it's doing, you tell the play callers, don't let this fool mess it up. You, you have to be able to put a governor on him so that he doesn't mess it up. All right. And then lastly, I also think, can we control digs? Is this guy going to rip his helmet off in a championship game and cost us? We've got to have some coaches stepping up here and controlling these players. Belichick, you guys know what to bench the guy. Yeah, it's uh, TJ, thank you for holding and thank you for your call. No, that was a really stupid play. It was stupid, and I'm not defending him, but my first thought was, oh, I guess the rule is that you can't take your helmet off on the field, and technically he's like on the sideline, but it's it's the... You can't take it off. It's the 30-30 to 30 part of the sideline. Yeah. you gotta, you got to keep your helmet that off. That was just dumb. What is that? What it, what it, what is that urge that impulse to remove your helmet? Well, you he went and good. was was jawing with the fans. Yeah, they can hear you. The mask. So, the, the no, face. but I'm saying that that's the urge. I don't get it. I mean, it's just stupid. They can hear you through the face mask. Go ahead and yell at Packers fans. I enjoy that. Do do a lot of that. But I w- keep I'm the helmet you. on, dude. I'm with you. I have no idea. Six five one six four six eight two five five. Jeremy and Edina. Hi, I wanted to call out Stefanski a little bit for that. Uh, critical interception in the end zone. I mean, even the Fox announcer guys were calling out after three rollouts to the right. Boy, that play ain't working. Maybe they should stop running it because the Packers were cutting it down every time. So sure enough, on the pivotal pass play, roll them out to the right, throw an interception. Anything else would have done. Even the announcers knew that was a bad call. Yeah, Jeremy, I just... Default Stefanski? Although I'm not going to necessarily use Chris Myers as my barometer for what a good play call is. <laughs> how does Chris Myers... Throw that out there? How does Chris Myers get that game, by the way? Yeah, that is kind of weird. I mean, Packers-Vikings is not that's exactly... A big one. A, yeah, I don't know. Not exactly... Uh, ah, that's just a Fox, you know, D-minus game. Daryl Moose Johnson used to be their... I think their number two color commentator at one point, like 20 years ago, too, and now he's looking around. He keeps getting knocked down the ladder another peg. Just him and an intern doing a game. <laughs> Are we so sure that Stefanski called that play, or do we think it was Gary who called that play, or at least suggested that play? Or did Gary say, no, Kevin, what are you doing? Kevin, Kevin, listen to me. Kevin. And then he shut the headphones off. Yeah. I just, again, I don't have a problem with saying, hey, we've been running it down their throats. They probably think we're going to run here, so let's let's draw something else up. Well, you know what's really frustrating, then? If, if I go down your path, here's what ticks me off more. We all sat here for how long and said, okay, if you're going to do this with Kirk, and Kirk ha- Kirk has to be put in a situation that is ultimately as comfortable as possible, you've got to improve your line. And that doesn't mean moving people around. That doesn't mean signing Josh Klein, a right guard, coming off a bad year with the Titans. That doesn't. E- that might mean drafting one guy, but it also means giving up a precious piece of your defense, right? To go sign a really good guard. I think they also thought bringing in Kubiak in the zone blocking scheme would improve guys through scheme, through coaching. And it has run-wise. Unfortunately, in in pass pro, they're being carried into the backfield and deposited into the stands while while Cousins is also picked up. But this blocking scheme is perfect for Delvin Cook and for Alexander Madison. Perfect for both of those guys. Unfortunately, they can't. It's not working out so well for Kirk Cousins. They can't do it. Yeah, I fear for Garrett Bradbury's health. I'm not kidding you guys. In my field glasses, I saw a man get picked up. I saw a man get picked up and thrown down. We are going. Hakeem Hicks of the Bears is going to pick up Bradbury in two weeks in Chicago and throw him into Cousins, and it's going to be the first time that the center sacks a quarterback. I can see Judd sitting next to Collar with his little field glass binoculars. Ah, the red coats are coming. The red coats are coming. Collar, Collar, the red coats are coming. I had a long weekend. I was poked in the side at one point. 
Actually, by a bartender in okay, Wisconsin. This. Okay, let's let's in, we should include that in our next segment. <laughs> and which sworn is, at. Okay, it's our weekly <laughs> weekly nitpicks. Weekly nitpicks when we come back. And Judd has weekly non Kirk Cousins nitpicks, okay? A Kirk Cousins free zone when we All come right. back here. Maggie my body All right, score north download time powered by Modest Brewing Company. If you are going to a twins game, check out Modest Brewing, located only two blocks from the Target Field Station. Modest is known for serving a wide variety of -of one-of-a-kind, super drinkable craft beers. For our full menu of craft beers, go to modestbrewing.com. And uh, Vikings-Packers, well, that game finished in favor of the uh, green and yellow yesterday. Yeah, it's not gold. I'm with Rami (laughs) on this one. I said that for... All my years in Milwaukee. It's cheese yellow, okay? <laughs> You're not fooling anybody. It's like urine yellow. Uh, well, Shannon Sharp and um, can see that. Skip Bayless were talking about the game yesterday. And had too and, many uh, vitamins. Here's, here's what uh, Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless's reaction to the game was yesterday. Well, I like what I'm seeing from the Packers. They're only going to get better. Everybody that they face that's on their schedule does not have defenses like the Vikes, like the Bears. So Aaron Rodgers will get better. Their defense will get better. Mm. How many more times do they get to play Kirk Cousins? Uh, Once more, mm. right? And they get Trubisky at home. Mm. <laughs> They're just laughing. It's at this point. This is just embarrassing. This division, man. That's quarter- enough download. Quarterback wise, this division got some problems. Cousins, Trubisky. I don't know if you saw Mitch yesterday. Step up and make a big throw in crunch time. Yeah, I heard about the game. Nice that the yeah. fix the fix was in for your Bears. What what fix? Who paid off the officials? What fix? Can I say a big throw time in expired, which he had, play. he had no idea how much time was on the clock and the oh, time sure should did. have run no, out. He knew exactly what he was doing. Called the timeout as soon as Allen Robinson went to the ground. Roughing the passer. That great was great game. What do you think? Very Kirk intri- Cousins? He had great game awareness. That there. roughing the passer call was just fantastic. Almost as bad as the one that they uh, called on the Bears on a drive earlier that the Broncos ended up I'm, with a field goal. I'm on, just so. glad that, that the officiating in that game is trying to ruin the sport. That's fantastic. Time ran out. They still kicked a field goal. They put Time a second back on the clock. Run out. They sh- there's a shot of Mitch Trubisky calling a timeout with a second left on the clock. I'm Are you going to argue with video now? I'm sorry, but I think time ran Are out. Are you a flat earther? What's four, next? 4.4 4. 4 yards in attempt yesterday for... Uh, Mr. Well, Bisky, well you, need Judd's, you need Judd's field glasses to see those yards per attempt. Exactly. <laughs> so small. They're, they're good field glasses, too. Oh, by I know. The way. in crunch time. Football. Mixed up there. I got Eddie P. With the field goal. We'll get Tom Pelissero on here in about 10 minutes. Tom let's, P. Let's start with, Ra- with Rami Eddie here. Non Kirk Cousins <laughs> nitpicks from yesterday's Vikings Packers game. Am I the only one who saw at least two footballs go off of uh, Stephon Diggs' hands? There was one very key one for sure. Yes, for a first down that would have yep, kept the drive the going, and they ended up having having to punt. Yep, that's. I mean, look, I I expect Kirk Cousins to struggle in the situations that we saw Kirk Cousins struggle in yesterday, where where the Vikings are really strong is a on the defense, b in the run game, and probably their their greatest strength. We had Leroy Butler on here last week, and he said there's not a better tandem of wide receivers in the NFL than Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen. You need those guys to play like they're the best players on the football field for you, and you can't have your number one wide receiver, Stephon Diggs, having balls go through his hands, especially on crucial spots, on crucial third downs, and ending drives for your team. That changes the complexion, the momentum, completely changes a football game. He's got to come up with those. So that's mine. It's Stephon Diggs. 
Uh, mine is stemming from this. After review, it was determined that an offensive player was blocking. Therefore, it's offensive pass interference. We'll enforce that 10-yard foul from the three-yard line. It'll be first and goal from the 13. Well, my nitpick is not what you think the nitpick is, because I think you think, oh, the nitpick is, why would they call that and this and this? If you watch that play over again, I mean, Dalvin Cook was very clearly setting an illegal screen in a football game and had his arms extended. It was just sort of weird and jarring for us with these new pass interference review rules that they can go back and review that. So, But my nitpick isn't that. My nitpick is that dude got on the microphone about 15 times, and I had no idea what he was trying to explain. <laughs> Every time he cracked the microphone. After review, it was determined that an offensive player was blocking. I know that that might be shocking in a Vikings game that an offensive player was blocking, but we're going to need more explanation than that, okay? Not successfully either. So like, like, can we get some, some referee training? I know the rule book is it's the size of two phone books put together, but if you're going to hop on the microphone and there's a bunch of people watching, just like do a better job. That's all I'm saying. So the, the rule is, though, now on every touchdown pass, they're going to look for that. Yeah, well, they look for See, everything that's reviewable, right? I don't. I always thought that the automatic review on turnovers and on touchdowns was looking for things like, did he complete the catch? Did he have possession? Was a knee down? Was he in bounds? Did yeah. he get past the goal line? All things that are reviewable. I didn't know that they were look re. I didn't know that they were replaying and looking at scoring plays. And looking for penalties in New York, and that was in the final two minutes. So that was a replay review, yeah. right? So what I want to know that wasn't made clear during the game by that referee who apparently had trouble making things clear. After review, John Hussey. It was determined that an offensive player was blocking. Thank, Thank you. you. Appreciate, Appreciate it. <laughs> it's not clear to me if they were if that was just your regular run of the mill. Scoring play review because they were play they review every scoring it, play it or was. if the referees buzzed down and said there might have been pass interference no. on that we need to look at it no 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 in, in fact in the stadium the referee says at one point why are we stopping the game and he said and he didn't mean to have his mic on and he's saying it to the replay office in New York that was a procedural review of the scoring play which to Phil's point and I didn't realize this we'll look for that. Anything that's reviewable but is, is the issue yeah. now is if that's reviewable and, and if you see that and so that's basically a pick that opens up the interpretation of that rule. I, I've always said it has to be agreed. My whole thing is egregious. Yeah, It's got to be Saints Rams. This one was this one happens all the time. I would review every single time and say there's find something football. Do we have time for my story? We got about two minutes. Should we save it for later? Let's save it. Okay, because it might go in. Because there might be questions. Forty-nine-year-old men often don't get poked by seventy-five-year-old men in the side and the belly, so it might take (laughs) it might take longer to explain. Or we'll do it after Pelissero. Okay, and we'll talk some twins after Pelissero too. Okay, we'll do a we'll do a little of both. Yeah, you guys stayed in Clintonville, Wisconsin. Clintonville, Wisconsin. Great hotel room. Darkest, ho- this time darkest hotel room I've ever <laughs> slept in. I slept so well. <laughs> Tom Pelissero's NFL Insights. When we come back, we'll talk more Kirk Cousins and also two potential Hall of Fame quarterbacks out. Mackie and Jeb with Rami on Score North and Score North Mobile. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. <laughs> 
It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. Alisson, who had the touchdown, gets a first down and... Looks like the ball came out, and the Vikings have it. On the end of the play, it was stolen away by Harrison Smith. Thought that that was gonna. I thought I thought that right there was the turning point, and wow, they're gonna win this game. But then, uh, then Kirk Cousins comes along, throws an interception. Mackie and Jeb with Rami on the underscore North and the Score North mobile app, and let's waste no time and get to NFL Network's Tom Pelissero for Tom Pelissero's NFL insights, and we would love your insight into Vikings Packers. We'll get into some of the, the Big Ben news and the Drew Brees news, but I got to think when you're the Vikings and you spend all offseason figuring out, okay, how can we surround Kirk Cousins with tools and a system and you run the ball for eight yards a carry and 180 yards and your defense shuts down the Packers for the entire second half and then he throws that ball. Um, I don't know. I think there's a lot of people and maybe even people inside Vikingville that are saying, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how much you can win with this, guys. This is the same thing that people have seen in Washington and last year with the Vikings, Tom. It's tough. Well, Phil, I was reading the the quotes today from Mike Zimmer where I think he was being asked more about something he said yesterday about how we got to keep coaching up Kirk Cousins. And his clarification was along the lines of, you know, sometimes when the, the play's not there, he's just he's got to throw it away. And I found that interesting because when I sat down with Kirk, the Friday before the game against the Falcons. Uh, we were talking about a lot of different things, just about his mindset toward the season and whatnot. And, and I brought up just, you know, the, the inevitable pressure on him and on, you know, Zim and on everybody in the organization. You know, this is a, this is a big season. And one thing that he said was, I know when I get myself into trouble sometimes, it's when I'm trying to do too much. It's when I'm trying to put the ball into windows I shouldn't trying to put the whole thing on my shoulders. I've just got to take the plays that are there. So he's conscious of it. He knows that's the mentality that they're trying to have. Um, when you're playing for Mike Zimmer and he wants to be defense first, he wants to run the football, you can't be committing those type of turnovers. I mean, he's had – Cousins has had a lot of, of uh, fumbles, obviously, the, you know, the interceptions early in his career, and he threw a bad one yesterday. Um, but that's that's been an ongoing emphasis. They still, you know, not to go totally rosy on it, but after – after the disastrous first quarter, you know, they, they shut down an Aaron Rodgers-led offense, and they did get some positive things going offensively. I don't know if you can count on Delvin Cook, plus the loose for 75 yards every week, but, you know, there, there are signs of, of life there, and I wouldn't swing the pendulum all the way back to this is a disaster, uh, you know, just quite yet. Hey, Tom, back to Kirk, though. It, it seems like when the moment gets big and the pressure is on and the bullets really start to fly, that he, he makes questionable decisions and starts to, to freeze up. And when he doesn't feel that way, because he's actually got the ability to play well at times, that he's fine. Is there a way, when Mike talks about the comment that you brought up, about coaching him up and doing this and that, he's, what, eight years into his career, five years as a starter, is there a way in your mind to change that at this point, or do you sort of just have to accept that Kirk largely is going to be who Kirk is? I remember Kyle Shanahan telling me once that the thing he liked best about Kirk, and this goes all the way back to 2012 when he was a fourth-round draft pick after they took RG3, uh, number two overall, and what they saw from Kirk every day in practice was he would just see it and fire it immediately. It was instinctive. It was just in the rhythm of the play. And that's exactly why he would get himself in trouble at times, which was he would see things and just throw it, not thinking, and all of a sudden it's a different coverage than he thinks it is, and he, and he gets picked off. 
know, that's, you like that trait up to a certain point. You want to in this type of offense, which is the same offense, uh, you know, or similar that Kyle Shanahan runs and Sean McVay runs and Matt LaFleur. You want a quarterback who's going to be automatic like that. But you've also then, okay, when things break down, when you're going to those other reads, if it's not there, you know, you've got to teach yourself not to, to take those chances. So, you know, and part of it, again, when you're that, when you're conscious of it, like Cousins is, I don't think that it's like unfixable, but it is, it is part of what makes him, you know, good when he's good too, is that ability just to, you know, without thinking, just make the play. And there are times where, you know, he perhaps is thinking a little bit too long into a play and he gets himself uh, in a rough place. Talking with Tom Pelissero of NFL Network here on Mackey and Judd with Rami. The other thing that a lot of people are talking about out of yesterday's game, Tom, is the uh, touchdown that wasn't. the one. It was overturned because of offensive pass interference on Dalvin Cook. On those automatic replays of scoring plays and, and turnovers, are they looking for penalties or are they just looking to see, you know, that he was in bounds, he completed the catch, everything that need, that goes into a turnover or a touchdown? They're looking specifically for, I mean, all reviewable aspects, but one of those this year that's new is pass interference calls and non-calls. The pick plays have been a, a point of emphasis because we've seen those in some big spots. I've seen back and forth today on whether or not, I haven't studied the play, but I've seen the back and forth on whether or not Delvin Cook was simply running his route versus trying to, to set a pick. I mean, it's a it's a rub play. I mean, that's, that's the base of it, but there are ways to legally do it. You can legally do it with any yard of line of scrimmage, and you can legally do it as long as it's just you're running the route and you're not initiating the contact. So that, that's a point of debate, but it's supposed to be clear and obvious. And the issue with clear and obvious that goes all the way back to when the rule was first passed is that is still subjective. Clear and obvious may sound objective. It is subjective because of the way that pass interference rules are written. You need to have a you know significant hindrance. Was that a significant hindrance you can you can argue that i mean i've seen plays go back and forth there's a controversial one at the game i was at yesterday in pittsburgh where pete carroll who earlier in the game had challenged a defensive pass interference call against his guy and lost challenged an offensive pass interference non-call and won and the steelers were apoplectic about it because they didn't understand how you know that would meet that threshold it's it all goes back to that meeting in march where there were no plans from the competition committee to escalate the idea of having subjective penalties uh, reviewable in replay. But the coaches got together in their meeting. They all put their hands up and said, we want to fix the obvious mistakes. The idea of that was fix any obvious mistake. If there's a clear face mask, if there's a hold, whatever. But it's got to be that top 1% of, of missed calls or calls that are wrong to be overturned. I, I remember asking Mike Zimmer that day, and we talked about it. I found the tweet today, you know, about that. And he was like, we were all, it was 32 nothing. But I said, are you in favor of review, a uh, replay system or a challenge system for non-calls? And he said, no. So he was against this exact thing because it's one thing to say, okay, there's this limited number of plays that are flagged and we're going to review them, but that wouldn't have fixed the Saints Rams play last year. So they had to make it non-calls also reviewable. And now we're just into uncharted territory in the, you know, the, the thing that always bothers me about that is at some point you're going to have a big flag that is thrown by people who are not in the stadium. And the standard of clear and obvious, because that is subjective, is going to be different. It should be the same for everybody. It should be 100%, but it's not, man. It's just it's not because the way that the rules are. You're, you're going to continue to have these 
Controversies up, uh, controversies bubble up from week to week. Tom Pelissero from NFL Network, Mackie and Judd with Rami and the the Pittsburgh Steelers, who you referenced there. So Le'Veon Bell gone, Antonio Brown gone, and now Ben Roethlisberger. It was announced today out for the season with the elbow injury he suffered, and they're zero and two. Where do you think this is headed for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Tom? Are we headed for a, a, a reset situation? Does Ben Roethlisberger have a year of rehab in him, even after sort of flirting with the notion of retirement? What do you think? Well, Roethlisberger is making forty-five million dollars this year because he got a two-year extension back in April. He put out a statement today saying that. You know, the Rooney's committed to him through 2021. He intends to honor that contract to the best of his ability. Um, so that quickly takes the retirement thoughts off the table, which isn't, isn't a huge surprise. I mean, the, the, the rehab process is going to be grueling here after uh, he undergoes this season-ending surgery. But not a lot of guys want to go out like that, go out with an injury where they miss the rest of the season. They also have to pay back some signing bonus money, which I think, for anybody, um, you know, has to weigh on your mind as well. But he's a competitor. Uh, that, that part does not surprise me. In the short term, uh, it's Mason Rudolph, who was a third-round draft pick out of Oklahoma State a couple of years ago. Uh, I remember talking to scouts about him. They played in just kind of this wide-open offense where he constantly had guys running free. Um, a lot of easy types of throws, rhythm throws. There were questions about you know, football IQ, how much does he really know about the game. There were some leadership questions, too. Um, people thought he was a backup, a good, solid backup. He looks the part and everything. Well, you know, he came out and played pretty well against the Seahawks, 12-19 passing. He threw an interception that wasn't his fault, also threw two touchdown passes. I talked to Ramon Foster, who's you know, one of the great guys in that locker room, veteran guard, and he goes, he's stone cold, man. He, he wants to be the show. You look at his face and you can see it. Um, we'll see how that translates now because – it's one thing to come in off the bench. There's, there's really not a lot of pressure on you when you're the relief pitcher, but now to come out and be the starter, the other team is game planning for you. Your coaches are game planning for you. It's a different experience, and it'll be interesting to see how he holds up here in Week 3 against the 49ers. And thoughts on the Saints with Breeze now out for at least six weeks with his uh, thumb hand surgery? It's, t- it's Teddy time now. Yeah. Uh, for the first time that he's really had meaningful snaps since the catastrophic knee injury, which was already over three years ago. You know, he played a couple of snaps that year for the Vikings in 2017. He played preseason. He started the regular season finale last year for the Saints with, you know, none of the starters on the field. There was nothing on the line. These are real games now. Uh, And it's a fascinating backstory there because the Dolphins wanted to sign Bridgewater in the offseason. They wanted him to come in and compete for their starting quarterback job. Instead, you know, he talks to Sean Payton. They paid him over $7 million this year, and he can now earn some incentives, too, to come back, be the backup, keep being groomed potentially as the successor to Drew Brees, who is in a contract year. That one's not season-ending, by the way. He's, he's continuing to have his scan sent out to specialists. Six to eight weeks, my understanding is, is the minimum that Brees is going to miss, but that would still have him on track to return later this season. Right now, though, this is, this is Teddy Bridgewater. It's with Alvin Kamara, with Michael Thomas, he doesn't have to do it all on his own. He's got good playmakers around him. Um, but, you know, he's got a chance to earn himself a lot of money, and for the first time we'll really find out, is he going to be the Teddy Bridgewater of old? Maybe even better with that improved arm strength that all of his teammates say he has. We'll start find out starting at a pretty tough environment on Sunday in Seattle. We saw the first of Antonio Brown in a Patriots uniform, and surprise, he's good at football. But uh, the NFL is going to meet with his accuser later this week. There was some talk he could end up on the exempt list before yesterday's game. Is that a possibility before week two, depending what they hear in that interview? 
Well, the interview is supposed to have happened today. I have not gotten mm. any reports on exactly what happened. Uh, it is possible because if you look at the way that the uh, personal conduct policy is written, if the commissioner believes that a violation occurred after collecting evidence, they can put them on the exempt list. Uh, so all options are on the table with that. It also would be unprecedented for a player to land on the exempt list over a civil case. That has never happened. And really, there haven't been that many guys landing on the exempt list in general. Basically, what you do if that happens, and this was Adrian Peterson back in 2014, you go there until they actually finish their investigation and decide um, whether or not you're going to face additional discipline. It's just it's it would be a fight with the NFLPA if it came over a civil matter, but you know, rule nothing out at this point because uh, we have to see exactly where the evidence leads. The Sports Illustrated story that came out today details some other past allegations against Antonio Brown. There's a lot of different things that can happen. The one thing we know is uh, Bill Belichick is not going to talk about it, and as long as Antonio Brown is available to play, you can bet pretty squarely that he's going to be on the field. That is Tom Pelissero from NFL Network. Tom Pelissero's NFL Insights every Monday on Mackie and Jeb with Rami. If there are Vikings fans who want to hear smart NFL people and talking heads talk about Kirk Cousins and other news stories, what are the best spots to go to right now, Tom? For best rational Kirk Cousins talk and many other storylines, I would recommend NFL Network. Uh, we're on the rest of tonight up, up until Monday Night Football. And every day, noon to 2 Central Time, we're on NFL Now. Got a dish program, and I'll be on Good Morning Football tomorrow morning starting at uh, 6 a.m. We're always rolling, and when news pops like today, we did uh, came on the air an extra hour early. So you can always catch on NFL Network. Awesome, man. See you, Tom. Thanks, guys. All right, Tom Pelissero. Rational is no fun. FYI. No, this is, by the way, this show right here is your home for irrational. Totally irrational. 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 I don't even think about the things that come out of my mouth, guys. Not even for one second. No filter. Zero filter. That's why it's called reckless speculation, Mm -hmm. boys. Cut cousins right now. Just release him right now. <laughs> your man, he's just done. We have some breaking NFL news real quick. Jalen Ramsey has requested a trade from the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. Does he want to play for the Vikings some, along with Minka Kirk Fitzpatrick? Kirk Cousins for Fitz- Jalen Ramsey, straight up. Who says no? <laughs> Minka Fitzpatrick wants out. Jalen Ramsey wants out. Take you know what? He apparently had a confrontation I, with Doug Marone on Sunday. I'll fix the problem. Fire Doug Marone right now. There you go. Jalen, I solved your problem. I feel like it's not, it wouldn't be that hard to do, to do that. By the way, Judd... Uh, Judd may or may not have almost been uh, murdered in Wisconsin this weekend. I was at the very least. Mackie and Judd with Rami. Also available on demand on the Score North mobile app, Spotify, Apple, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. By the way, three-fourths geek chimes in here on Twitter. I'm just going to say it. With the running game and the defense, uh, they adjusted really well. All Cousins has to be is an overpaid game manager. And he couldn't even do that today. Be- that was a clip from Ventline yesterday. By the way, like Manny and I had to get out after at four o'clock because we had Minnesota United uh, collecting three points, and so it's a forty-minute abbreviated version of Ventline. But it was piping hot right after that game ended. So I can't imagine it, that people were real happy about seeing the Kirk no. Cousins throw that pass. I know, and I'm going to guess that the two hours of Ventline this morning. That's right, Ventline is now Monday through Friday as well. Judd and Danny on Mondays joined the mix of me and Manny from the post game. We edition. got a bunch of phone calls from people who are still disgruntled. Yeah, well, this is one of them here. Just real, before we get to Judd's story about being in a small town in Wisconsin this and being harassed. Yeah. Harassed. Well, harassed is one uh, man's definition of it. I think he was harassed. You know, it sucks because I think if you're looking at this game early in the season, you figure it's a loss. You figure we would split our matchups against Green Bay, win at home, lose on the road. And then this team gives you hope 
and you think maybe they can come back. Now, like, that's me being naive and throwing away years and years of watching Vikings games, but you still have hope. The frustrating part of this game for me is that Mike Zimmer is a better coach than Matt LaFleur, like, objectively. The Vikings roster is better than the Packers top to bottom, and they still lose. Now, for most teams, if you have a great defense, a great running game, and great receivers, like, you find a way. But with Kirk, it's just, it's, it's just going to hold you back. Yeah. I mean, that's like the most level-headed that's a great explanation call. from a call on Vetline. Absolutely. The Vikings are better in these areas and these areas, and Kirk Cousins is a loser. That's pretty much he, what... He used the term objectively perfectly, mm-hmm. and he's right. Yeah. And objectively, the Vikings still lost. So, Vikings Vetline, podcastable, anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Okay, so tell me if this, if this qualifies as harassment of a near 50-year-old man or not. Collar and I stayed in Clintonville, Wisconsin, which is not too far from Green Bay. Yeah. Um, and we stayed in a, you know, it's a small town, but it's a nice little town. Yeah. It's fine. It, I, it's can, not like destitute. And can I tell you, um, as we were booking these trips, I was looking around like Green Bay and Appleton and stuff, like, you know, two months in advance. Yep. There was a Motel 6. Mm. I think it was in Appleton. There was a Motel 6 somewhere like between Appleton I've and Wisconsin. I've stayed there before. $350 a night for what? that Saturday night. Oh, the Green Bay. Yes. Oh, they gouge Two months in advance. Oh, they gouge you. A Motel 6. Tom Bodet leaving the light on for you, and apparently leaving a bottle of Dom wow. Perignon in your room. I once said, "Wow!" So in in like 2005 or six, I I had a, a source from my TV radio column days who could who could leak the schedule to me. So the night before the schedule uh, came out, and this is when it came out the the next afternoon, not night before the primetime special. I said, "When do the Vikings play the Packers?" And he's like, "December." And that was like a December 23rd game or something weird. So I called the the Hilton across from. Lambeau Field. And I said, I'd like to book the room of Wednesday and Thursday nights. And like, oh, sure, Mr. Zola. No, no problem. No problem at all. And so, so we got this cheap, or not cheap, but relatively cheap room. Because at that point in time, the schedule was not out yet and the prices had not been marked up. The next year I called, they're like, we don't allow that at all until the schedule is released. Oh, so they, they, on to you. they were on to me, and <laughs> you are correct, though. It's like $300 a night, $350. They make all of their bank on, on that. So we're staying in Clintonville, and Kyle and I are driving around town, and we're like, okay, there's a Culver's. We could go to Culver's. But I Googled local supper clubs and found a place called, fittingly enough, Matthew's. Matthew's Supper Club. Wait, what's this? Have you ever searched Supper Club, Phil? Well, I'm doing. I'm, I'm, I'm going to search this place. Matthews. I searched restaurants. Matthews in Clintonville. Who searches Supper Club? All right, sir, I did clubs or something. It was just. It was. A, but it was Wait, a Supper what, Club. What was your exact Google search? First, he had field glasses. Field now, glasses. He, now he's searching. Su- are you from the fifties? <laughs> supper clubs are from the dude. Supper clubs are small towns. Let me tell you right now. Supper clubs are in small towns. You're a Chicago guy, so you don't know. But back in the day, and in small towns like in Iowa, when I go to Don's home t- hometown. And they have supper clubs. <laughs> Judd is from the 50s. It's so, hilarious. So I, I find Matthew's Supper Club. And Collar's like, well, let's check it out. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. Culver's is Culver's. You can always go to Culver's. You can get Culver's anywhere. Yeah. Dude, this place has a 4.6 rating on Facebook's places. Okay, there's a reason why. The service was a little bit slow, but we sat, and we sat not at the bar, but in the bar area so we could watch TV. Okay. And the service was a little slow, but that's fine. You know, it's Clintonville, right? So, Collar gets the the prime rib. There's like three of them. There's like one cut's pretty small, one cut's bigger, and one cut's the biggest. Collar gets the second size. I get the third, the biggest. This piece of meat comes out. How many ounces are we talking here? I forget what it was, to be honest with you, but it was big. It was really good. So, the bartender 
is this old guy, probably around 75. He's got a gimp. He's got a limp. And he's walking around the bar. And, you guys are bellied up. I'm t- and no, no, no. We're at we're at a table in the bar. Okay. So, but not not at not at the bar. So in be, the bar area. In the bar area. Right. Correct. Were there any twelve year olds from Wisconsin drinking beer at the bar? <laughs> uh, if there were, I didn't see that. Them. Happened. That doesn't. That doesn't mean that there weren't. But anyway, right. so so I I get my uh, my beers. Collar gets his diet cokes, and the food comes, and it is unbelievably good. Like it's phenomenal. Like this is the best prime. Collar said I've it's had. maybe the best steak he's ever had. Wow, yeah. I don't think I've had a prime rib that good in probably 25 years. And just a random supper club Called in the I mean, middle of Wisconsin. Yes, but, but the, the cow probably came from a field right behind the supper club. It shouldn't be surprising it's a good I steak. was going to say the cow was probably alive at 10 a.m. Right. And was well, dead Bessie. by the time I ate. God and so yeah, you drove by it on your way to check into the hotel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, hey, kill that cow for me. So we so so the bartender eventually limps out from behind the bar and he comes around. And he looks at our our meals, and I think he's he's going to say, you know, how's it going? Are you enjoying your meal? And he honestly <laughs> says to me something like, "Is that enough? Is that a big enough piece of bleeping meat for you?" <laughs> what? I know. So, so he like, and he says it in like, a, I need to check this place out. And so he's like, "Is that a big enough bleeping piece of meat for you?" And, and it was he, almost and, like and he didn't censor himself. No, he dropped. He dropped. No, it. Oh, no, man. I can't say it. He could. <laughs> and it was almost like he was upset that the cut was that big. Okay, I just found a picture of the meat cut, and there's a per, there's a person sitting behind it, Hold so on. you can kind of like you can compare the size of Matthews. Like there's a person's what's, hand. What's the site? Uh, this is just TripAdvisor. Okay, no, this is Google Images. Okay, so it's, right. Matthews Supper Club with it, one T. Okay, yeah, yep. Matthews Supper Dude, Club. Okay. So there's a person's Clinton hand sitting Clinton next Bell. to this plate of meat and onion rings. Yes. Describe for the audience, as I turn this to you, the size of this man's hand compared <laughs> to the size of the food, okay? that's Oh, that's accurate. Oh, the food is much bigger. Oh, my and, God. And I got the baked. You got the baked potato? The baked potato? Yeah, collar went mashed. Did I you, went did baked you get potato. the onion rings, too? No, uh, but but we did get um, uh, like cheese sticks. They were fantastic. Cheese sticks? Not like cheese. mozzarella sticks? Mozzarella sticks, yes. Oh, okay. yeah. Fantastic. And and Judd salads, just like an alien from the fifties. And salads, <laughs> and I got the blue cheese crumbles. Wow! Do you know how good mm. blue cheese crumbles are? Yes. Okay, so so that's my that's keep in mind interaction number one with said bartender. Okay. So I figure you know okay that was sort of funny and off the cuff and it's done and now he's going to limp back behind the bar and when we'll be done. Um, this all took a while because as to you know just. Tell you this again, the service is pretty slow. 10 to 15 minutes after being accosted by the bartender with a word that you probably don't ordinarily drop on patrons you've never seen before and sure. won't see again, yeah. out of nowhere, and Collar can see this coming, but I can't. The oh. bartender comes up behind me again. Oh, my God. And takes his, fi- takes his finger, his hand, and he pokes me firmly in the belly. <laughs> and he says, you aren't going to be hungry for a while, are you? What? <laughs> he, he actually touched you. He touched your. He touched your stuff. Poked me like he poked me like I was the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. What I mean, did you, what, just, what did you say? I looked at him. I said, "No, probably not." Pillsbury Doughboy. That's yeah, okay. Pillsbury Doughboy. Yeah, that's right. And Wait. I played it up perfectly. I'm, we'll, I'm like, no, we'll probably just not. take a check now. I, I looked at Collar, and he looked, and Collar looked at me, and we sort of got that. 
did that really just happen? And then we confirmed, yes, that happened. <laughs> and then, okay, but here's the best part. I'm not even done yet. <laughs> Said bartender then doesn't go back behind the bar after poking me in the belly. He goes and sits at the bar and gets a back massage from someone at the bar. So when, so when we left, the bartender was no longer behind the bar. He was sitting at his own bar getting a back massage from a friend. I need to go to this place. Yeah. That, folks, need to go to this that place. is a Saturday night in Clintonville, Wisconsin. Okay, the, the, the menu, if this is the right menu, it says Matthews, and then there's a little paragraph between like the logo and then the food. It. This has to be it. Thank you for choosing Matthews tonight. We hope to serve you to the best of our ability and make your experience in dining one of delight. Friendly service and atmosphere while enjoying your appetizing cuisine. When planning a future party, please consider custom catering. They tried to rhyme it up there. Or you catering can, cuisine. Yep, and okay. they'll poke you right in the belly yeah. and say, <laughs> so. be That's hung- great. you won't be hungry for a while, will ya? It feels a little like, I don't know, some of those small towns in Wisconsin. And Wisconsin is basically just a state made up of small towns, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you got Milwaukee and Madison and a lot of stuff in between. Yeah. yeah. And there's... You know, there's like Door County's kind of a touristy spot, but even that's that's a sleepy little area. So you never know what you're walking into with some of these small town bars or what's great fun though clubs is is it legitimately freaks collar out. Like driving through Wisconsin, he gets freaked out. Because you lose reception. Well, and it's just also if you if your car dies or something, you might you don't know what's gonna happen to you. And apparently the bartender at the supper club sounds like the guy from Sling Blade. That's exactly what it was. <laughs> but I'm I mean he comes up have you ever You ain't gonna be hungry for a while. <laughs> have you ever been sworn at while you eat and then no. and then you're like, Okay, that was sort of weird, and then the person pokes you in the stomach? Dude, if this was okay. If this was an episode of the Twilight Zone, Collar would have gone to like take a bathroom break while you got your food delivered, and then you would have found out later that it was actually Collar that you were eating. Yes, yes, that's exactly right. That's exa- yeah, that's a hundred percent right. Unfortunately, the, in fact, the first thing I thought was, and as we parked and walked in this place. Because there were there were a lot of cars, but very few people around. The first thing I thought of was was the Twilight Zone, where the couple goes to that town and there's no one there. Yes, and they walk in and they're like trying to find is it life. The, what the is it the train the train stop one? I thought there was one where there's a town that they go to and there's nobody in the town. Yeah, and you know what? The if I'm thinking of the same episode, in the end of the spoiler alert, Twilight Zone's yeah. been around for sixty years. Yeah, but it's too bad if you here, don't. Okay? Yeah, if you haven't seen it, and it turns out they're in an empty town. Because they're part of a model train set. That's what it was. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that's the exact one. And they, oh, I thought we already passed this. Didn't we already pass this stop? Where is everybody? They're part of a model train set. I never set. got into Twilight Zone. Oh, the oh, old, the Rod Serling no, ones. I hear great things. The black and whites, the Rod Serling ones are fantastic. So There's good. a new one out. Yeah, There's with new... uh, Jordan Peele. Yeah. It's not getting rave reviews. It's but... on that CBS All Access, which I refuse. Check out Clintonville. I'm not. First hand Twilight Zone. I'm not paying for CBS. <laughs> you don't you don't need CBS. <laughs> Drive to Clintonville, you'll be in the Twilight Zone. I'm so, still I'm still curious about like did you actually Google Wisconsin Supper Club? You had, it had to be a supper club? Well, I think I put restaurants or supper club. I thought I put supper club. I'm not sure. But <laughs> anyway, it I, supper. It was a supper club. Minnesotans call it supper sometimes. Do you really? Iowa in People are saying supper in Manny? Iowa yeah. they call it dinner. I supper clubs? Yeah, they they call they call lunch dinner in Iowa and dinner supper. They call lunch dinner in Iowa? Yep, they call it dinner. That's so they, they have dinner around 2 o'clock. That explains a lot about people from Iowa. Hey, I'm not 
excusing it. I'm telling you what I found out. Yeah. You're calling lunch dinner? I do. Don't look at me. They call soda. They call pop soda. They call. Well, you you guys in Wisconsin well, call water coolers bubblers. Yes. And growing up, pop was always pop. And then I moved to Wisconsin, and then soda. it became soda. And I eventually started calling it soda. And now I'm back in a state where it's pop again. I don't know what the hell to call it. <laughs> Just give me a Coke. I just want a Coke, man. We put ketchup on hot dogs, too, Ronnie. Which is really, really a terrible thing to do. Like, seriously. Should be a crime. Prime rib, though? No ketchup so needed. It was so good. We're going to get... put ketchup on that. I did not. No, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> the ajout sauce. Oh, Ronnie was so good. We're going to get Patrick Royce's thoughts on, not necessarily supper clubs, but for sure on Kirk Cousins and the Vikings yesterday. And also... We haven't talked about the Twins yet. They basically clinched the division on Saturday. Oh, yeah, Fight me if you feel otherwise. And uh, we can talk about that as well. Mackie and Jeb. All right, one final score of download for the afternoon. It is powered by Modest Brewing. And uh, much has been made about that Vikings-Packers game yesterday. And uh, one question uh, for Mike Zimmer was, why did the defense get off to such a slow start? Well, we knew we'd, they'd start fast, uh, and uh, they had us off balance. You know, they, did, they didn't start fast last week, so we figured they would. Um, but they caught us in a couple couple things, and, you know, we were a little bit uh, banged up in the secondary, so we had to make some adjustments. Yeah, i got to get some of those defensive backs healthy and back in the lineup for this defense to uh, stay strong. They did finish strong yesterday, though. If you are going... To a Twins game, check out Modest Brewing, located only two blocks from the Target Field Station. Modest is known for serving a wide variety of -of one-of-a-kind, super drinkable craft beers. For our full menu of craft beers, go to ModestBrewing.com. That is your Score North download. Thank you, sir. TCL Broadcast Studios. Time to wrap with Royce and Patrick. Congratulations. You are now officially a Hall of Famer, at least in the Broadcast Hall of Fame in the state of Minnesota. Congratulations, sir. With that and eleven bucks, I can buy you a beer at Target Field. So uh, I'll, I'll see you tonight. Yeah, I'll see you tonight outside the press box. That sounds good. <laughs> okay. All righty. Well, uh, you had an eventful trip to uh, Green Bay. Uh, what a mess of a football game that was, huh? Mm. Man, alive. Uh, both sides were just uh, really uh, some uh, goofy stuff going on. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. What was your uh, What was your favorite non Kirk Cousins thing from that football game? Favorite or least favorite? <laughs> Well, it is. I did. Uh, one of the callers I heard today, <laughs> these guys are unbelievable. They, they basically want him released, uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> oh, here, here. Actually, we've, we've, got, we've got that right here, I think. Okay. I'm so sick and tired of Kirk Cousins. That was the worst throw since Brett Favre in 2009 in the NFC title game. The guy is a joke. <laughs> Everybody always wants to talk about he's a mid-level QB. No, he's a bottom level. He, there's 20, he's in the 20 to 30 category. You can't trust him. It was a winning effort from the rest of the team, despite what seemed to be at a point where even the Fox NFL announcers are saying the Zebras are hosing the Vikings. We still have a chance to win, and we have this loser. He's just a loser. He should be cut, redraft. <laughs> Fieldman can go right out the door with him. I'm tired of him. Yeah, that guy, uh, you know, it's too bad that they didn't have a uh, call-in sports show in the movie Fargo. That guy had the voice, that little Minnesota voice for it, too, didn't he? Uh, he yeah, Chansey from angry, Fargo, actually, is his name. The angry Scandahoovian right there. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? He'll pass for 400 next week, and everybody will say, see, all you 
the same people who were ripping him would say, see, all you people ripping him, he just had a bad game. So, uh, okay, well, how would you, if, if someone came up to you and said, let's say they, they knew football, uh, but for whatever reason they had never heard of Kirk Cousins, how would you explain Kirk Cousins to a new fan? I would say that uh, he will always be be my hero because he got guaranteed money out of the NFL, and I love the fact that he's making them pay him every cent of it, and uh, like that. But I think what he does not. To me, the number one thing his problem is he doesn't handle pressure. Now, what what are we saying that he was pressured? He's getting pressured more this year than last year, right? Statistically, now last week you know didn't throw any passes, but uh, wasn't it forty seven, forty eight percent again this week? This offensive line stinks, by the way, and uh, nobody's. Uh, I mean, they can run block, but they can't pass block. But how would I explain to him? Not much of an athlete, I would say. He's not an athlete. He's a he's a he's a quarterback, and he'll have uh, he'll have some decent games, but uh, I don't. He's, he's not as good as I thought he was. I'll, I'll say that. I, I thought he was better than this. I thought he was top 10, and maybe he's top 16 now. I don't know. Pat, is the uh, I'd still AL... rather oh, have sorry. him than Teddy. I'd still rather have him than Teddy. But well, we're going to find out about there. Teddy now because Drew Brees is out about six weeks. Drew Brees is out six weeks. Fred Laughlisberger out forever. Uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, yeah, there's some, there's some openings out there. Is this uh, AL Central race over, Pat? Is it done? Are we ready to declare the uh, Indians dead? Uh, well, I, I, I can't understand uh, why our manager did not uh, send out Brios yesterday and put the fork in him. Uh, I, I don't understand why he stayed, plays a C-squad lineup and basically hands the victory to uh, Cleveland when you got a team down in the dumps. Uh, and, you know, you could see yesterday the way they couldn't get anything off Randy Dobnik. You had a chance to, uh, you know, sweep that thing. And they're going to, they're, yeah, they're, what, 96% they're going to win it. But I don't know why you gave them any life. I, I cannot agree with Rocco's uh, decision to um, put that C-Squad lineup out there yesterday. And I was listening to my guy Tom Hamilton. I was in the car, and uh, he said, and I tweeted this out uh, just a while ago, Back ago, he said this. They got they're acting like uh, they had a champagne celebration last night after clinching the pennant, and everybody's hungover. And uh, you know the, the the lineup they put out there was it was kind of absurd. And then they played terrible too. They made four errors. But yeah, it's, yeah, it's, I would think it's over. You got uh, you got the white. You got a chance to lose two out of three of the whiteies. But after that, Kansas City and Detroit, it's going to be hard to lose any games, isn't it? You can't lose. Exactly right. Uh, so if if you are Rocco, Barrios starts game one. When do you bullpen a game since clearly that's going to work out super well, and it did on Saturday? Well, Odorizzi, too, and after that, they they can't, you know, Martin, Martin Perez, you want to send him out there? No. I guess he can be your starter and go to the fourth. And I don't think Gibby's, I don't think we're going to see Gibby. They, they didn't say this, but I think one reason they ran him out there yesterday was to find out if he's going to be usable. And uh, he was terrible again. And there's no life on his pitches whatsoever right now. There's no nothing happening. His best pitch is his changeup right now. He doesn't have any life on his fastball. Uh, his command has been off for 
months, and uh, I, I don't know what, what they do. I, I said this uh, to you, John. I said it, uh, I think I said it for, uh, you know, my conversation with Manny that's coming up on uh, the, our, our baseball podcast. Rarely, I can't think of any player who screwed the Twins as bad as Pineda has, you know, yeah. by bailing, by, by this happening. This is a, you know, this, you could have created a scenario where they go in against the Yankees in the first round with Pineda, uh, Barrios, and Odorizzi and win a five-game series. But I, I don't know how you create that scenario now. I, yeah. I just don't know. Well, here's okay. Here's an idea. I'm not saying that this is going to be the. This isn't going to necessarily be the thing that wins the series. But I would. I would bullpen game if you're playing the Yankees, and you start the series games one and two in New York. I would bullpen the second game and have Odorizzi pitch game three at Target Field. Odorizzi is better at home, and he's one of the most flyball-y flyball pitchers in all of baseball. Yeah, and I would. Yeah, I'd right. keep him out of that stadium. I would bullpen game two. Yeah, you might have to do that. I tell you what, though, I uh, I had a heart attack this morning with the suggestions that maybe we should make Gratterall a reliever now. Did you see Phil's piece about boy, it's tempting to have yes. him in the bullpen? You have to have some starting pitchers. You have to develop some starting pitchers. Every time somebody gets four outs out of the bullpen, you can't say, "Well, he's a reliever. We don't have to worry about him." Yeah. We can make him a reliever too. They got like six guys that they've already turned into relievers who could have been starters. They don't have one on the way. If if you don't say that kid is one, they don't have one that they can say they're ready to pitch next year. Uh, you you got to have some starters, fellas. But uh, you know you can certainly uh, see Gratterall helping you in, in October. But you got to turn him into a starter. Come on. Yeah. And, well, and it, so you're talking long term, right? You're saying just he's a he's no, a yeah, no, not now, not now, no, no. But he could be your opener in New York and race and and uh, and get somebody's attention, wouldn't he? <laughs> yes, absolutely. You know, I think yeah, I think you've yeah. nailed like the, two of the things you learned this weekend were number one, well, three things. Number one, you can bullpen a game and be fine against a good team. Uh, number two, Gratterall made up for his terrible outing a week and a half ago, and he's back in the mix now. And then number three, we already mentioned on Kyle Gibson that it's just, I would even go so far as to say that I think this is the end period for Kyle Gibson as a twin. You might run him out there once against one of these mediocre teams to end your season, but he's not on my postseason roster at this point. I just, I'm not going to. And 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 he has pitched, you know, good against bad teams, but, but this stuff does not look as good as what he was throwing two months ago. This, 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 stuff he's throwing. By the way, gentlemen, uh, the uh, the NFL now adding more interference calls and holding calls is uh, making this thing unbelievably. What are they doing? Why do they want more flags? Dalvin Cook obviously went out of his way to obstruct that guy and, you know, to help that that play succeed, but they haven't called that in twenty years. So why are we suddenly calling that? Is what I, I what I want to know. Unintended consequence of having gone too far with this entire thing. And the thing about that call, though, Pat, is the past interference challenges and reviews. It's got to be egregious. We can't be calling every ticky tack because you'll find that every play. It's like holding. 
Well, this in this case, it is a scoring play, and that and they would not have, uh, you know, they don't even run that. That's that's the play that they run down in the end zone. By the way, there's nobody who whined and bitched and complained about that more than Bud Grant when he coached the Vikings about the pick pick play. But here's I got two points. A, it's stupid that uh, they're they're figuring out a way to call more flags, and two. Cook did do what they said he did. It was a pick play, and anyone who thinks it wasn't was it was a, to me. He didn't. There was no subtlety in it. He, he basically steered himself over there to, and he was not running a route. By the way, just accidentally, he was told to go get that guy and uh, pick him. In my opinion, I, I don't but, mind. I don't mind that they that they're going to review pass interference, but. My impression was always, Pat, that they were on a scoring play, all they were reviewing was whether or not the score was valid. Was the knee down? Was he in yeah. bounds? Did he have yeah. possession? Yeah. If they're looking for penalties now on every scoring play, you can find it on just about every play. But I think it's only the uh, the the only thing there. It's not like they're looking for offensive holding, okay, in the in the in the line or something. Just wait, uh, because because that's but it's not reviewable. Like. like Interference is revealed, right. and that's why. They, but I don't think any of us knew that they could do this without a challenge. Did, did I, I? That's the no. The I, didn't, I, I didn't know that either. I, I did not know that. But now, if they see pass interference defensively, even if it's not on the play they're reviewing, if somebody's over on the other side and the ball's in the air and being held, uh, they could call interference, right? I, I don't know. Yes, they can. Well, at least now, Pat, when you look back on your illustrious career, not only Minnesota Broadcast Hall of Fame, you covered Olympics, World Series, and where were you during the OPI game, Pat? Four offensive pass interferences. It's a truly a where were you moment yesterday. Uh, don't you feel like that must have been one of their points of emphasis that they didn't really? I mean, we knew they were going to start reviewing interference, uh, but uh, I didn't know that they were going to just go nuts with it and call it, you know, eight times a game. So That's a good name for a referee podcast, Points of Emphasis. Maybe we should launch <laughs> it. Yeah. All right, Pat, we got to go. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Uh, 